Live from the ACU of Texas Studios, this is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. Welcome to Meet in the Middle Chronicles. I'm Sam Collins. And I'm Norman Papoose. We met in an office and discovered that despite each of us consistently voting for different political parties, we shared a common goal of leaving our kids a better world. When we started talking to each other, we found that we could meet in the middle on many issues that face our nation. That got us wondering, why can't our elected representatives agree? Find the middle on issues. I don't give up my values when I compromise, and neither does Sam. But we know that compromise serves our kids better than what we see in the current political atmosphere. We had a successful radio show, then the Chinese bought the station. But we got with the times, and now we have a podcast. Welcome to Meet in the Middle Chronicles. This is Sam Collins, and my friend Norman Papoose is not with me this week, but I have a guest host, uh, Mr. Dedrick Johnson, who is a longhorn. So uh, being on the opposite side of the table as an Aggie, we're trying to find a meet-in-the-middle moment here. So uh, Giggum Aggies, uh, you want to introduce yourself, Mr. Johnson, and tell them a little bit about you? Hook em horns. My name is Dedrick Johnson, and thank you, Mr. Collins, for inviting me to this Meet in the Middle podcast. We are definitely excited to be here and um, looking forward to the dialogue that we're to establish this morning. Okay, so jumping right into it, uh, this week there's a lot of news about uh, what's going on in Minneapolis, Minnesota with uh, the untimely uh, death of uh, Mr. Gregory Floyd. Uh, There's also some things happening in uh, Galveston County with uh, some young men that unfortunately have lost their lives uh, and often it's referred to as black-on-black crime in the community, and we're going to uh, touch on that a little bit. But before we get into those two subjects, uh, those two things, that I, I want to just give a little history. I want to have this talk because I think it's important for individuals to understand that uh, when uh, African Americans are concerned about these issues, we're concerned about the uh, police brutality, but we're also concerned about crime in our community, just as everyday citizens are concerned about crime or violence in their communities. You often hear black on black crime, but you don't hear about white on white crime or brown on brown or red on red Mm -hmm. because it's not as as popular in the media. So with recent events, I'll start with the last first to get this on the table. Mr. Johnson, uh, as an African-American male, uh, what are your views on this subject of black on black crime and how do you feel as a as a individual, African-American male, and also as a parent? Well, uh, black-on-black crime uh, has existed probably all throughout history, but uh, so has any other demographic of crime being perpetuated on itself. Uh, White-on-white crime, uh, brown-on-brown crime, however you want to look at it, uh, I believe all crime is bad, but um, we do tend to hear a lot more on black on black crime. And I think it's probably because it's a response to uh, black people's cry of injustice. So when we cry of injustice and there's no legitimate way to justify the ills of society or the ills of our judicial system, one of the easiest responses that I think come from what I call low hanging fruit is for people to scream back, what about black on black crime? And so, uh, yeah, we can definitely dialogue more about that. Uh, It does exist. We are as equally as outraged at black on black crime, 
but there's some things that are significant to uh, other forms of crime that, that uh, we can talk about as well. There is a, a group in the uh, Lamarck, Tech City area, I think it's Stop the Violence 409, uh, and there have been many rallies and uh, attempts to address this issue of black-on-black crime. That's a, a quote that I like to repeat. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So we have to find a way to give our children and young people more paths to success. Because one of the things that I think becomes frustrating for them is, is if they are unable to achieve success in one uh, lane, whether that be a sports or music, because these are, are popular areas. If I could become a pro athlete, if I could become a rapper or a singer, that's my way to achieve success. And how do we define success? Uh, being able to make a lot of money, buy a lot of material things. I think we have to address those real issues that when our kids, some kids don't find success in those areas, then they get frustrated and turn to uh, lives of crime to try to make uh, uh, fast money. Uh, what are your views, Mr. Johnson? I think you're exactly right about that, an ounce of prevention being a pound of cure. And look, I'm all for gathering, I'm all for having rallies, I'm all for trying to excite the community and get us all on one accord. But most of the time, rallies are uh, reactive and not proactive. Uh, very seldom do you see a rally before an incident. We see rallies after incidents. And that proaction right there is part, in my opinion, part of the problem. Um, we need to go back to the source. Uh, when, when you see gang violence or drug violence, and and things like that. It's because uh, many reasons, but one of the reasons you touched on is we want um, the finer things in life. And, and, you know, they're glamorized on TV and social media, the big cars, the big homes, the, the nice clothes. And for someone who cannot get that the legitimate way, they may find an easier path uh, through, through gang affiliation or crime. But I think as a former school teacher myself, I think it all boils back down to education. With a lack of education and, and, and a dysfunctional public school system, uh, we find ourselves falling through the cracks. And then um, we resort to these uh, alternative lifestyles that aren't conducive to, uh, to healthy living for our communities. Now, uh, Mr. Johnson and I both agree uh, we value education. Uh, he is a, a former teacher. Uh, I never taught in the classroom, but my mother was a teacher. My wife's a teacher. Uh, teaches third grade, and uh, education is a priority in our home. And I would yes. say uh, Mr. Johnson's life and my life have, have pretty much paralleled. Uh, I'm a 1989 graduate of Hitchcock High School. He's a 1989 graduate of Texas City High School. Uh, he went off to college to uh, UT on a scholarship. Uh, I went to Texas A&M on a scholarship. Now, some will say that scholarship uh, was kind of under affirmative action and they lowered the bar for us to get into the universities as they tried to diversify the campus. But did you ever take an affirmative action test while you were there, meaning in the classroom, was your test different than the test for other students? Not at all. I had to do the exact same thing as uh, maybe a valedictorian from other, other schools. I had to do the exact same assignments that everyone else had to do. And, um, you know, I just always say, regardless of how I got in or what was afforded to me by way of scholarship, I had to do the work. I had to take the test. There were no shortcuts and there were no uh, uh, altered uh, uh, lines of curriculum for me. And uh, so I, I'm very grateful and appreciative to the opportunity that many people uh, don't get. 
And uh, so we took advantage of that and, and finished and graduated from Texas. Now, now one of the things that I want to point out, and I, I don't want people to get the perception that there's only one path uh, to success of a college degree. Right. Because there are other avenues to uh, be a productive individual. Uh, my dad is a master electrician. Uh, there are individuals uh, that are considered like blue collar workers with uh, plumbers, trades, mechanics, other individuals. There are many paths to success. So I want to be clear that we're not just advocating one one way. We're just telling our, our personal stories of how we got to where we are. And the reason I want to bring it up, because there, there are oftentimes that uh, I hear conversations with individuals uh, discussing the African-American community that they think, well, they don't care about education or they don't care about family. Uh, as I just uh, illustrated, uh, Mr. Johnson and I both value education. We, we both love our families. We love our children. We're productive individuals of our, uh, our communities, active in, in, in various capacities. Uh, Mr. Johnson is an associate minister uh, at the same church uh, that I attend, Greater St. Matthews, and I'm an associate minister there. So we, we are, we are faith-based uh, right. individuals that uh, we, we attend the funerals of these young men. Uh, oftentimes we may, may know the parents of these young men that have been killed. So we are very much concerned about black-on-black crime and how it is affecting our young people. My son has friends, and I'm concerned that if he's riding with someone that is uh, active in some activities that I don't approve with, uh, if, if that car was randomly sprayed by uh, bullets or drive-by shooting or something, I'm afraid my son would get hit and he's not even involved in those activities. Mm-hmm. What, how do you feel about that kind of subject? Well, you know, that's always a concern, Sam, uh, any father, right? But probably more so uh, fathers of African-American children or parents in general of African-American children that uh, we've raised them to make the right decisions and get in the cars with the right people or, or find themselves uh, hanging in the right social circles. So that's always a concern that we've you know, raised our kids to make those independent decisions um, uh, that you know, would probably preserve their life <laughs> more than, more than uh, some other decisions. And I just want to go back and touch on the college thing right quick because you said it and you nailed it. While education might not be the only path there are some things that occur when you are away in college that are beneficial as well. Uh, the independence of living on your own, the struggles, uh, coping mechanisms, team building, uh, or surviving in different social circles. You know, all of those things, you know, I always tell people that I got a book education in the classroom, but I got a life education outside of the classroom. And sometimes, you know, those are the, uh, those are the situations that we didn't even think would be uh, benefits of, you know, going off to school, but they absolutely were. So uh, as far as our kids are concerned and, you know, being concerned about them and, and making sure that they make the right decisions, that's always in the back of my mind. We've just got to cover them with prayer and, and, and hope the things and the values we instilled in them, uh, you know, will pay off. So uh, oftentimes individuals talk about the talk. So today we're having the talk right. uh, about this subject. But uh we have the talk with our sons and daughters about interacting in, in the community and also bridging this gap from this one topic over to uh, interactions with the police. So as young, specifically with young black males, we have to address this uh, subject with our sons about 
you know, being able to walk away from a confrontation. It doesn't make you less of a man mm-hmm. to not get into some kind of situation that may cost you your life. And then also when you get stopped by officers, be respectful. Yes, sir. No, sir. Get home safely. We could deal with the issue once you make it home if something is done unjustly. Uh, Sometimes individuals say we should not have to uh, tell our sons to do that, Mm -hmm. but it is to preserve their life. It's a coping mechanism that I don't think people fully understand. And and I would uh, uh, like for individuals listening to the show to to really get to know someone, uh, if you're non-African-American, to kind of understand what it really means. You know, uh, Norman and I have had this conversation about this subject, and I believe that uh, I opened his eyes to some things that he really didn't think about or didn't know. So uh, uh, Mr. Johnson and I have uh, uh, two sons that are the same age. Uh, Mm -hmm. So have you had this uh, conversation with, with your oldest son? And I have four children. He has four children. Like I said, we, we parallel in a lot of ways. <laughs> uh, I have two boys, two girls. He yeah. got two boys, two girls. Exactly, so exactly. so uh, uh, tell us a little bit about that conversation or the talk that you've had, and then we'll, we'll go into this. Uh, um, so the next. thing about me and, and the talk as we, as we know it, uh, unfortunately, it has not been a single conversation, but rather a series of conversations. So the talk, you might want to say the talk uh, edition one or first edition, second edition. We've had the talk on numerous occasions. And in fact, we had a part of the talk just last night as my son called me with uh, uh, some concerns about what's going on in Minneapolis and why things are the way they are. And, you know, what should have been done or, you know, what uh, our, our, our national leadership is doing about it and so on and so on. So. As each incident presents itself, we're able to uh, have the talk. And as I'm, and my son is a leader on his campus, and he's telling me the things that they are doing to address certain things. And I try to give him my perspective from things that I've learned. But through it all, the umbrella conversation that covers it all is, son, take care of yourself. Stay safe. Don't do anything that's going to uh, cause uh, someone to see you as a threat and then probably try to take it to another level. Um, I do want my son to learn to stand firm on his principles, but I understand that there is also a fine line because more than anything, I want him to be able to go home or come home. And uh, that's always a concern that uh, over issues that shouldn't be a concern or that other people probably don't have those same concerns that we talk about like, you know, playing your music too loud in your car or jogging in an unfamiliar neighborhood or things like that. So in in interacting with police, the other thing that I want to express too, uh, that often it it appears that when we we discuss the subjects that we, we, African-Americans are anti-cop. So uh, I would like for you to just comment on that. Me personally, I've taken the Citizens Police Academy over in Hitchcock. Uh, I try to be supportive of of officers, uh, but the truth of the matter, my earliest experience or memory is watching my father and a police officer at the back of the vehicle. I was in the back seat watching and my dad had got stopped for speeding and I had encouraged my dad, go fast, go fast, because my dad had sports cars. Mm. And (laughs) right after that, a cop 
he got pulled over by a cop. So I felt one, it was my fault that dad was getting pulled out by the cops. And then he and the cop were having a confrontation at the back because I began to cry. And my dad was just basically yelling and screaming, well, just write me the ticket, let me go. My child's upset. Right. Uh, so, so my earliest memory is not of officer friendly. It was more of a, a confrontational kind of thing that got burned into my mirror memory and and too often individuals they have small children if they see a police officer if you do something bad i'm gonna call the cops on you i'm gonna get that cop Mm -hmm. and we shouldn't be doing that to our children but if you could just talk about your support of the police or uh, your views on this idea that african americans don't support police before we get into some of the issues that are facing uh, our country yeah. Uh, with police-involved incidents. I think uh, African-Americans have been dealt a bad hand as far as it pertains to uh, our uh, view on police officers. It, and, and it may have started way back with the old NWA album, uh, F the Police, you know what I'm saying? And when, when, the, when the things were going on in various parts of the country with gangs and so on and so on. And as you know, hip-hop is very trendy. And, uh, and so that, that kind of took wings and it wasn't necessarily a reflection of the entire African-American community. Uh, I personally have always tried to work with police officers, especially my local police department uh, as a former commissioner. Uh, I've tried to work with them and, and, and been allowed to see things from their perspective and learned a great deal. I've actually served on a law enforcement training review board that tries to find uh, the best training for our officers so that they can be better equipped to protect and serve. Um, I, I have personal friends who are police officers. I have family in law enforcement. So it couldn't be further from the truth to say that uh, as a blanket statement, African-Americans are anti-cop. You can just look at the 911 statistics and see how many African-Americans actually call the cops or or, or are in need of their services. So um, I just think that uh, we get in trouble by painting uh, a community with one broad stroke of a brush. Yes, sir. And now with that being said, when when you see incidents of uh, police uh, perceived brutality or uh, the the things that happen, that's a famous James Baldwin quote that says to be a Negro in this country and to be relatively conscious is to be in a rage almost all the time. So we're talking about being in a rage about black on black crime and the and the problems there. And then when we see uh, confrontations with uh, officers in, in different areas. And say uh, in this latest incident with George Floyd, who is from the Houston area, uh, and I think I may have uh, said the name wrong at the beginning of the show, but it's George Floyd that was killed uh, by this officer uh, in Minneapolis. And it was actually four officers. Mm-hmm. But when you see these types of incidents, how does it personally make you feel and what do you think we should do as a society well when you see this type of incidents it it personally disgusts me it absolutely disgusts me because you put uh trust into someone like a public servant like a police officer and um, then you realize that they are the minority in that profession because i still believe that the bulk of the people in the police officer profession uh, are doing so sincerely to protect and serve their communities Uh, you know, like I said, as a former school teacher, I know that there were some school teachers who probably weren't there for the right reasons. And as a former anything, you probably have a small percentage in your profession that's not doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, what is hard to swallow is to know that even the good police officers 
find it difficult to speak out against this. We've heard of the blue shield or the blue, you know, the blue curtain where they protect one another, uh, the brotherhood and this and that. And, and that's what's disheartening if that exists. You know, I'm just speaking uh, from, from uh, just hearing about these things. But uh, the second part of your question was not only how does it make me feel to see that, but yeah, uh, well, we were talking about before the the, the feelings with, uh, with the quotes, but uh, this uh, this constant feeling of, of kind of like rage, yeah. like we we right now, I think the African American community with with so much going on nationwide is just exhausted mm-hmm. of these images, mm-hmm. and you know uh, when 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 Sam Collins and Dedrick Johnson get to the point that they just have no hope. Like right now, uh, I think Baldwin also has a quote about, uh, you know, I'm alive, so I, so I have to be an optimist. So I have to believe that things are gonna, but, but Dr. King also had a quote that, that the, a riot is the voice of the unheard. Right. So as individuals see what's going on right now, I, I do not advocate burning down your community or destro- destroying property. And I think people need to understand that this is not we're not condoning that kind of behavior but people are just beyond frustrated and i saw a clip recently of an individual that looked like he may have been uh there intentionally to destroy property but not part of the protesters Mm -hmm. Uh, this was a white individual that was uh basically covered up and the protesters started following him because he had broke out some windows and it looked like he came there just to do that and like a plant. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people realize that there are plants in the crowd that are intentionally trying to make it worse than what it is to start the fire and then lead the scene. So some of these uh, protesters uh, followed this person and tracked him back to wherever he was going. And, and hopefully they'll find out who that individual was because he really wasn't, you can tell, he had an umbrella. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in all black. He had a total face mask with uh, kind of like a gas mask. But he, he, he looked out of place being there, and he was just going down the sidewalk br- breaking out glass with a hammer. Yeah, I but, know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen that image as well. Yeah, so, so the, the, when we're talking about these issues and how it affects us mentally, emotionally, and we, we, we are reasonable individuals, we try to look at the argument from, from both sides or all sides to judge it on its facts, but we see incidents like uh, the Floyd incident. We see the incident with uh, the young lady, uh, Brianna uh, Taylor, who was sleeping in her, in her, uh, her bed in her home. And mm-hmm. uh, some undercover individuals bust in to uh, looking for the, someone. They had the wrong house and they end up killing her. And, you know, where's the outrage from the community? And they, the sad part is they already had that person, person in, custody. in custody so this was a a to uh, uh, just unnecessary loss of life that so brianna taylor uh ahmaud arbery uh these are other incidents that are going on across our country in the news right now do you want to speak briefly on those those two incidents and and of course uh arbery was not police officers these right. were private citizens, right? But just this this uh, issue. You go ahead. Well, even though even though you say Arbery was not police officer, they're private citizens. You know, you're right. They were not police officers, but one person on the scene was former law enforcement, and he was a longtime uh, investigator with that department. And not only was that situation not not mishandled by police officers, 
But as they decided to press charges, the first DA wanted to dismiss the charges because of her relations to one of the people involved. And so we start seeing these layers of truth being unveiled throughout it all. And, uh, and, and, and so I think the rage, the rage uh, that you see from black America with these deaths is magnified exponentially when you see that they're not protected or covered under the same laws that other people are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at uh, Breonna Taylor and, and, and you see that, okay, they bust in the wrong house, they made a mistake, okay? Uh, you know, you, you talk about these mistakes. When you're doing something that violent, you, you, there's no room for mistakes. And although we make mistakes uh, as human beings, there's no room for that type of mistake. Even if they get it correct, 98% of the time, if, if an airline said 98% of our airplanes are going to land safely, would you, would you take a flight with that airline? No, no. Sir. there's some industries that have to get it right 100% of the time. And busing in somebody's house, heavily armed, ready to fire deadly weapons, you can't get that wrong. And we've seen mishaps in Houston Police Department with that as well. And they've had to revisit policy of the no-knock warrants and things like that. But... Uh, these things, when they've happened back to back to back with Aubrey and Taylor and now George Floyd and who's next and, you know, who's next? Who's the next hashtag? Who's the next situation? That's what creates such a rage, uh, not only when they happen, but when they're dismissed by the judicial system, which we, as we already know, is largely white in our legislative body and, uh, and things like that. It does not favor us. That's what helps create the rage. Yeah. And, and the frustration, I think, from the African-American community goes not only when dealing with uh, law enforcement, but private citizens, black and white. So there, there are a couple of other incidents, uh, the Amy Cooper incident in Central Park. Yes. And then just this morning, the arrest of the CNN reporter, uh, Omar Jimenez. Did yes. you see that? Yes. That that was another white CNN reporter that didn't get arrested. But it appears because he was a person of color that they put handcuffs on him and they had to take him in and arrest him, uh, uh, Omar, because they didn't believe his credentials. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand why this looks so bad and feels so bad. Uh, And the the officer said he was just following orders. Yeah, whose orders? Yeah, whose orders? And and, uh, your comment about the the rap... Uh, song, uh, I believe that that there has been frustration with the police historically mm-hmm. for a long time, uh, and there's a history there in the community, even going back to the '60s uh, with uh, uh, the Black Panthers uh, put, trying to police their own communities to uh, to reduce the the violence uh, among residents by police. So uh, that's a great documentary on the Black Panthers. If you've never seen it, I would mm-hmm. encourage you to see that. So just in, in, in closing comments, uh, before we go, we're wrapping up here. Uh, any last thoughts you want to have, Mr. Johnson, that uh, you would advise our listening audience? Well, I'd just like to say that, you know, I hope that everybody is kind to uh, navigate their emotions and feelings as best way as possible in, 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 the, in the wake of all of these incidents that seem to be prevalent uh, in America, uh, one of the things that I really wish um, we could do is focus on unity, but not just interracial unity, but intra-racial unity, so that uh, we can strengthen our race 
in order to be on one accord with other races. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to see how this thing plays out in Minneapolis, uh, in the court system. Um, uh, like you said, the riots are the voice of the unheard. And, um, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And all I can do is try to be that light and that voice in my community. Well, I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Johnson for joining me this week in the absence of my uh, co-host, Norman. Uh, hopefully we, we, we will be back together next week to discuss uh, meeting the middle topics. But I think it was important to have a, a, a conversation around this subject, around these things that are happening around the country, uh, the black on black crime issue in the community uh, needs to be addressed and it is being addressed and there are people concerned about it. Uh, the issues with law enforcement need to be addressed and people are concerned about it. Uh, the issues with private citizens, uh, I forgot about the, the gentleman in the, in the, uh, that had the lease agreement in the gym. Uh, I can't think of his name right off the uh, top of my head, but he confronted some young men that uh, were working out in a, a common uh, gym area of a, of, of a building where they had a lease. He didn't think they were supposed to be there. Mm. Uh, and unfortunately, there are certain individuals that when they see uh, minority uh, individuals in spaces that they don't think they should be, uh, we run into these confrontations. So I would encourage everybody to have more conversations, sit and talk with someone and try to get a better understanding of uh, the perspective, not only uh, for African-Americans, but just as human beings. Right. I think we should should talk to each other and try to work on each other because uh, we're going to succeed together as a country or we're going to fail together as a country. And I would hope that we can find a way to come together, uh, meet in the middle, mm -hmm. as we often say uh, on the show here, right. and find solutions to problems. So again, uh, thank you, Mr. Johnson, for coming on the show. That's it for this week. Go out. Uh, Spend some time with your family, uh, love your children and kids, and let's try to create a better uh, future, a better world for them so they'll have a better future. Amen. Giggle, Maggie. Book them horns. <laughs> <laughs>